Thank you to each one who participated in our service this morning and certainly brought these matters to uh, the forefront, help us to understand better what our responsibilities are. I would like to uh, take some time this morning to focus our attention on the Word of God and find out what the Scripture has to say about this very important topic that we've been discussing, and that is the, the nurture and care for children and uh, orphans in particular. So would you turn with me in your Bibles to James chapter 1? We're looking at just one verse this morning, James chapter 1, verse 27. James chapter 1, verse 27, and you may or may not be surprised to discover from this particular verse that orphans and widows are at the heart of legitimate worship and service. Orphans and widows are at the heart of legitimate worship and service. James 1.27 reads as follows. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. So what does our relationship to children have to do with authentic worship? Why would it state that pure religion is to visit orphans and widows? Well, the first thing I would point out to you is that authentic worship and service must be defined by God. If you notice in verse 27, it states this, religion that is pure and defiled, and now these words, before God, before God, meaning in God's eyes, in God's determination, religion that is pure and undefiled is this. Authentic worship always must be measured by God's standards. There are a lot of man-made standards when it comes to worship and worship practices. People have their own connotations and ideas of what a worship service should look like and then more extensively what it means to be dedicated and involved in Christian service and life. Many times that centers around our own likes and dislikes. And many times it has actually nothing to do with what the Word of God actually states. However, we must remember that worship is not for our benefit. Worship is not about what we like or dislike. Worship is about pleasing God and what he finds to be acceptable or unacceptable. Worship is not about the worshiper, but rather worship is about God. We are not trying to please one another. We are trying to please him. And we find in this verse that not all worship is true, authentic, legitimate, or acceptable in God's eyes. That's found in the words pure and undefiled. Religion that is pure and undefiled, meaning the genuine article. There is a lot of worship that isn't the genuine article, that is not pure, that is not undefiled, that is mixed, that is syncretistic, borrowing from other religions, borrowing from other practices, influenced by our culture, influenced by our society, and misses the mark rather demonstrably when it comes to worship and service. It is striking that such worship 
and service is described in our verse with the word religion. Notice verse 27. Religion that is pure and undefiled. I find that rather striking because in modern day Christianity, religion itself, that word, has almost become anathema. Uh, People want to run from the idea of religion. It is commonplace. I hear it all over the place. When people say Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. And there wants to be this stress on a personal relationship to Jesus Christ. It's about a relationship. It's not a religion. Well, let me tell you that it is both. It is a relationship and it is a religion. And many people who want to emphasize the fact that it's a relationship run away from the connotations of it is religion. If by a relationship we mean that we need to have received the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, the answer is yes, of course, it's about a relationship. It's about putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But the negative to that, or the flip side to that, the wrong connotation is that Christianity is just about Jesus and me. It can be privatized. It can be isolated. Have nothing to do with my work ethic, nothing to do with society in general. It's just about me and Jesus. I talk to Jesus when I'm in the car. I read my Bible. I pray when I'm in times of trouble. I love to think about Jesus. And Jesus loves to think about me. We find in this verse that Christianity is a religion. Meaning that there are duties that are associated with our Christian faith. Religion is a rare word in the New Testament. It's found here, and once in Colossians, and once in Acts. Religion is the outward expression of worship in the form of ritual, liturgy, and ceremony. For example, in the Old Testament, a large element of worship and service was the offering of prayer and sacrifices. In the New Testament, much that is associated with worship and service would be such things as as prayer, baptism, communion, the giving of tithes and offerings. But religion was always, always intended to be much more than mere ritual. Worship consists of more than simply listening or hearing words. James 1.22 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. Worship is more than just sitting back and taking in a sermon. It is more than just knowing what God's word has to say. It's more than simply being biblically illiterate or being able to win at Bible trivia. It's more than, yes, even being able to articulate sound doctrine and be able to explain the deeper things of God. It's more than just a mere intellectual assent to what the word of God has to say. Worship and service is about the living out of our faith. It's about putting into practice what we know to be true. It is living 
out the realities of the doctrines that we profess and confess. In the Old Testament, there is a wonderful passage that teaches us both what worship should not look like and what worship does look like. I invite you to turn with me there this morning, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 1. Oh, excuse me. Yes, Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1. It opens with an invitation to hear what God says. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 10. Hear the word of the Lord. Now, this statement, you rulers of Sodom. Literally, he's talking to the people of Israel. Uh, He's saying this in a personification. He's saying, you are like the rulers of Sodom, you rulers of Israel. He's saying there's no difference. We've been looking at some of that on Sunday nights. And so he says, give ear to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Again, in a metaphorical sense, talking about the Israelites. What he has to say is that God is not pleased with their offerings, with their sacrifices. Notice verse 11. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord? I've had enough of burnt offerings, of rams, of the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who is required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. Noon moons and Sabbath and the calling of convocations, these services. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Your new moons and appointed feasts, my soul hates. They become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. He says, I am tired of your services. I'm tired of your celebration. I'm tired of your offerings. And not only that, he says, I'm tired of your prayers. Look at verse 15. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. I'm tired of your sacrifices. I'm even tired of your prayers. Don't pray to me any longer. Wow, that's rather striking language. God saying he's not pleased with this worship of him, a worship that he himself had prescribed. It was God who said to offer the offerings. It was God who said to make the prayers. Where then is the problem? Notice what they failed to do. Verse 16. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. And now notice these words. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. This is James 127 in the Old Testament. This brings us full circle. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. True worship and service in the eyes of God is to look after those who have no one to care for them. 
In our text, verse 27 of James, it says to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. Why would looking after orphans and widows be singled out in true worship? Why is God so concerned about that that he he states it repeatedly? I, I don't have time this morning. It would take literally hours to follow the thread through the Old Testament of the many references to widows and orphans. Why does God care so much about that? Look with me at James 1.27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, and say with me what comes next. Ready? The Father. The Father. In James 1.27, that serves as an appellation and a positive. God, who is the Father, There is a host of theology that is wrapped up in the title, God the Father. It has implications for his being the creator. It has implications of the Trinity, of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It has implications for us who are born again, and we're able to cry out, Abba, Father, that we have this unique and precious relationship to God that he cares and provides for us. He is our Father. It also has implications for the entire world. Even as we used the call to worship this morning, Psalm 68, verse 5, Father of the fatherless. It is no coincidence that in James 1, 27, when it's focusing upon who God is, it brings our attention to he's the Father. We could easily say he's the Almighty. We could say he's, as it says in 1 Corinthians, the God of all comfort. God is described in many ways. In this verse, it is God is the Father, and because we worship God who is Father, then we must, if we are going to worship him in truth, have the attitude and characteristics of a father, of a caregiver, of a provider, of an intercessor. Thus to care for orphans and widows is to be like God. It reflects his character. It is to care about what God cares about, to reflect on God's priorities. It speaks of those of whom God ministers. To visit them in their affliction, in verse 27, is to aid them in their time of need. That care or aid in visiting is manifested primarily in three ways. First, to visit is to pacify them in their misery. Now, I chose a rather unusual word, but for good reason. Uh, first I want all peas, and then this word pacify, to pacify them in their, mis- in their misery, to comfort them, reassure them that someone loves them and will take care of them. We heard about that even in the video this morning. A pacifier is an interesting thing. You know that little device that you put into a baby's mouth to keep them from crying? 
But it's more than just shutting them up. It's more than simply trying to get them out of our hair. A pacifier, why does it satisfy them? Well, it represents the mother's nipple. It represents the whole concept of of breastfeeding, the, the nurture, the care, the concern. And we find out in the Word of God that we are to be a pacifier. We are to hold people close to our breast to comfort them, to encourage them, to console them, even as a parent would an older child. A six-year-old, a seven-year-old who's no longer nursing, but falls and hurts themselves, and a mother puts them on their lap, takes their head and cuddles them close by and says, it's going to be okay. It's to comfort. Psalm 27, verse 10 says this, When my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. That's the kind of heavenly father we have. When my father and mother forsake me, when I can no longer sit on their lap, God will allow me to sit on his. That aspect of just nurturing children. You you know one of the things that really bugs me about our society? how perverted we have become, how sinful we have become. I'm all about protecting children. I understand that. But just how sad it is in our day and age that we have to think twice about picking up children, holding children, comforting children, putting Uh, just a touch because of all the perversion in our society. We have to be comforting children. That's part of our duty, part of our responsibility. uh, It's only becoming harder to do in our culture, in our society. To visit them is to provide for them in their necessities. Deuteronomy 10, verse 18, it says, He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Deuteronomy 24, when you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheep in the field, you shall not go back, but it shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow. Verse 20, when you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over them again. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not strip it afterward. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. It's to provide for them. We have a responsibility not only to provide for our nuclear families, but to provide for others as well. To visit them is to protect them from danger and oppression. Deuteronomy 24, 17, you shall not pervert the justice due to the sojourner or the fatherless or to take a widow's garment and pledge. All too often, the weak, rather than helped and protected or abused and oppressed, their weakness is exploited. They are taken advantage of rather than protected. But true worship and service to God is to rise above the sins of our culture. Notice verse 27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit 
orphans and widows in their affliction, and then these words, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Unstained from the world. In Isaiah chapter 1, that same passage said, remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes, cease to do evil. Our society, as I said, gives lip service to protecting children when in actuality they don't, and we have to rid ourselves of some of the perversions of our society. According to Thornstaff, child pornography is a global issue, but the United States remains the largest producer and consumer of child abuse content in the world. Data from Operation Roundup, the only source of data known to the United States Department of Justice about the volume of child pornography traced over uh, 9.8 million unique IP addresses engaging in the sharing of child pornography in the United States last year. According to the Department of Justice report, there are an estimated 100 to 300 children who are at risk for entering U.S. commercial sex trade right now. In the United States. All too often, rather than provide for children, our society neglects children. We read rather rapidly the whole aspect of glooning and not consuming all of the field for yourself, but leaving it for the fatherless and the the children, and then the three different applications of that. America is the wealthiest country on the face of the earth. America's wealth grew by 60% in the past six years. In the past six years, America's wealth grew by 60% to over $30 trillion. And in the same period of time, the number of homeless children also rose by 60%. Isn't that incredible? The exact same percentage of wealth that grew and homeless children grew. Even an unregenerate society understands how wrong that is. And there are calls within society for change. And those calls are good. And I'm thankful. And I appreciate that there is concern for the abuse of children. I just said it's a shame that we just can't reach out to children the way that we did. But I understand the abuse. I I understand the concerns. I understand the dangers. I understand what is lurking out there. I get it. I'm just saying how sad it is. How sad it is. And while our society understands how sad it is, it fails to understand the solution. I understand the needs for child abuse policies, but ultimately they're not going to solve the problem. Ultimately, it's not going to end the issues. It's not going to end the neglect. It's not going to end all of the heartache and the misery. It is a matter of faith. It's a matter of a person's relationship with God. It's a central aspect of what it means to be a Christian, to be concerned about these things. It is 
in essence of the gospel. The Christian message is that we are to love God with all our heart and all our mind, all our strength, and we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. That is the very core. And without a saving relationship to Jesus Christ, we will never be that selfless. We will never be that caring. We will never be that giving. But it's what God has called us to do. It's called us to be caring. It's called us to be giving. It says that's what true religion is all about. That is what authentic worship consists of. And so, as a church, we are trying. We are trying to authentically worship God. Not just in what we say, but in what we do. Not just in what we proclaim, but how we live. Not just in the preaching and the teaching, but in the daily living out. So we have ministries dedicated to children, day camp, Sunday school, Wednesday night children's meetings, children's choir, children's library, Victory Valley, all of these ministries, hoping to minister to the children in our midst, helping to preserve, care for, nurture, develop, grow so that they grow up to love the Lord and are whole and sound and establish godly homes and know the joy and blessedness of worshiping and serving the true and living God. We have a Children's Hope Committee who has brought us this very day and is concerned about helping us to better understand what ministries look like. And so we're concerned not only for the children within the confines of this wall, these walls, but outside as well. And so we support Susquehanna Valley Pregnancy Center and wanting to see children brought to term. The Agape House, we're thankful that Sue is now worshiping with us. Child evangelism, youth for Christ, opportunities for children to hear and places of safety to go and to relax. We seek to do our part in the angel tree ministry, bringing comfort and help to children who have at least one parent that is imprisoned. We're going to be collecting shoeboxes, seeking to bring some help, comfort, and the gospel to needy children throughout the world. We support involvement in medical missions, seeking to aid the impoverished areas of disease and filth. But what we want to convey most this morning is it's about a personal expression of worship to our Heavenly Father. God has been the most wonderful Father to us that we could imagine. Every Father here should seek to emulate seek to reduplicate in our own families the kind of love that God has shown to us. To point them to a right worship so our children might understand just a little more of what God is like by seeing their own father and understanding that they can trust their father, they can trust their heavenly father. From the smaller to the greater, 
And this morning, we're just saying, let's broaden that vision even greater and realize that God is not just our Heavenly Father, but He's Father to all the children of this world. And we have a responsibility that goes beyond our own children and into the children of this world. May God lead us and direct us, each one, into how we can live that out practically. Maybe we know a next-door neighbor. Maybe we have someone in our extended family that needs our nurture, our support. Maybe we can adopt a child literally. Or maybe we can, through Compassion International and others, at least support some children on the foreign field. There are so many ways. Pray about how God would lead and direct in your own life as to what you can do. Help us as a church as we we seek to branch into these other ministries. May we be able to support them, sustain them. May we be able to do more. Uh, Help us to think about what those things are. Help us to man them and do them. Uh, Give uh, our Children's Hope uh, Committee some ideas. But uh, we just rejoice in their efforts and their work and... uh, It authenticates, it legitimizes our worship of God. It moves us to not simply hear, but to do. Do in accordance with what we know the Word of God would have us to do. Let's pray. Our Father, we pray in a generic sense for people around this world. We, we know there are children that are, that are suffering, dying of malnutrition. Others that are dying because of curable diseases. Others that are being persecuted. Others that are being neglected. Oh God, help us not to be insensitive. Help us not to just draw the covers up over ourselves and be afraid to look at the hideous world in which we live. Uh, Lord, I, I thank you that you have preserved and spared us from so much. I, I thank you for the children of our congregation. And we ask, Lord, that you would spare them and protect them. And Lord, we know that our, our children are not beyond some of these hideous things that occur. We, we realize our own children are in danger. Help us, Lord, to be the people that we ought to be. Help us to be godly individuals. Help us in our interaction with the children in our own families and the children of our congregation. And Lord, may we not be satisfied with that. Uh, help us to, to gain a bigger picture. Help us to believe in greater things. Help us to just examine what we could do to make a difference, an impact in somebody's life. Oh, Lord, strive with us. Create within us faith. Give us vision, Lord. Um, We desire to worship you in spirit and in truth. Uh, Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.